Welcome to Radio Rehab. I'm your host, Dana. I'm an addict and alcoholic. This is a show for other addicts and alcoholics and also for their families and for anyone who knows us. If this is your first time listening, we have over 300 episodes in the bank. You can go back and listen to all of them. If you can't get to a meeting right now, which is completely understandable, you can go back and listen to any of our episodes. Please do. We welcome you. And if you like what you hear, please rate, subscribe, and like us because it makes me happy. It's time for another three-part series. This is episode one with Beck. I'm not talking about the musician. I'm talking about a fellow recovering addict and alcoholic. I've actually interviewed Beck the musician, and honestly, I'd rather talk to Beck all day long over him. Way more interesting, way more enlightening. Beck is the director of LGBTQ programming at Visions Teen. He's sober, he's trans, and he's carrying the message and helping others. Let's get started. Welcome to Radio Rehab. Here's your host, Dana Keys. Beck, welcome to Radio Rehab. Uh, I just want to say, like, I'm so honored to have you on the show. Uh, it's so nice to meet you in person. I'm using finger quotes on the radio, which is totally stupid, really. But it's nice to actually virtually meet you. And I've wanted to have you on the show for some time now. You know, I love your posts on Facebook, and you just seem like a really great guy. And you're clearly so recovery-oriented. And you care. And I can see that. I can tell. And I can't wait to hear your story. Can we start by, you know, hearing your recovery story? Sure. Thanks for having me on. I was, I was pleasantly surprised. So, um, but then I just asked you, what am I supposed to talk about? So um, <laughs> I'm supposed to talk about my favorite subject, which is me. And uh, as a good, you know, person in recovery. <laughs> um so yeah, my, I guess the, the only way I know how to talk about it is like when I got sober and you know what it was like, um, what happened and what it's like now. I, I'll just do a quick overview or whatever. Um, so my sobriety date I'll start is 7-11-2005. So I just celebrated 15 years of recovery awesome. and uh, sometimes I just like can't even believe it. You know, I just am like, where, first of all, where did the time go? How did I get so old? And you know, how did, how did that happen? You know, and just full of gratitude, uh, full of gratitude. Um, I grew up in Los Angeles and, uh, you know, grew up with a, you know, typical household of the alcoholic dad and codependent mom. Um, uh, yeah, you know, I, uh, I promised myself that I would never be like my dad. Like I was like, that's an alcoholic and that's not who I'm going to be. I took it so far. Like, just in a really clear way, I like took it really far. And I was like a dare kid, you know, I was like, super anti drug and alcohol, like anti smoking, like everything's bad. Um, I took it to the nth degree, which is, you know, so classic of the alcoholic me. Um, So I, I, you know, grew up um, out in the desert, pretty isolated, um, pretty isolated in, you know, with friends and always kind of felt different, always felt like, you know, wasn't really a part of, um, uh, but like used humor and used just kind of, 
you know, I had a lot of different friend groups and I think I had a lot of different friend groups so that you didn't really get to know me. You didn't get to really see me. And so I can kind of like, kind of go under the radar. And so I started using, um, uh, probably like eighth or ninth grade. Um, and really also put on a really good show about being, um, everything was good. Like I got really good grades. Um, again, if you don't see me, like, you know, if you don't see what's going on, like you can't catch me. And, um, and also like, you can't care about me, I think really. <laughs> um, so, um, I hid my gender and sexuality from a, from a really young age. Um, I knew that in where I grew up, it wouldn't be accepted to be LGBTQ. So, um, you know, I just kind of used alcohol and drugs to hide that stuff. And, and it was easy. It was the go-to. It helped me feel a part of, it helped me with my depression and anxiety and, or what I thought <laughs> that it helped me because it just masked it, you know, it just was like, yeah, it's not, you know, it's not there. Um, and, and then it just progressively got worse. Um, I graduated high school, went into college and, um, and then I stopped going to college because it got interrupted my time of drinking and <laughs> using. So I relate. Um, I tried night school because, you know, I was like, oh, you know, I was too hungover during the day. And then I was like, oh, that's going to creep into my drinking at night. So, um, but again, I, I, I hid it so well. I was so well, like, when I got sober, I hit it so well that when I got sober, I told my mom I was getting sober and she was like, wait, you have a drinking problem? <laughs> wow. I mean, that's how well. And That's and, amazing. <laughs> well, because I did geographic, right? I moved from LA, went up to Northern California. I got the best job in the world for an alcoholic, which was a bartender. And, uh, you know, I was living my best life at a gay bar, you know, DJing, bartending. And I was like the center of the party. And that was like, people pay attention to me. And I was it was like my life and everything about it was my life. If it was like any emotion that I had, boredom, excitement, depression, you know, anxiety, like I was drinking through it and um, progressively getting worse, um, losing friends, losing relationships, like one relationship to another, um, seeking always consistently to like fill a void that I wasn't getting and I was always seeking to fill a void with whatever it was, <laughs> with people, with drugs, with alcohol, with anything, um, you know, and getting kicked out of every bar and um, just, and, and I don't, you know, it's like, okay, cool, but not really. Um, I was really lost. And um, what happened for me was that when I was bartending, there was these two women that would come into the bar and they would order the typical, soda water, splash of crayon, and a lime, right? That's like the recovery people's right. drink, I guess. You know, it's like, now <laughs> I know that. Um, and they would dance till like two in the morning and they would just, there was something about them that I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Um, and we became friends. And um, she, my friend Serena, I could say her name, she allows me to, but um, she became my typical, like my, my, only sober friend, right? She was just like, and I, or like my token sober friend and um, everyone else was using. And, and what I did was also, I surrounded myself with people who were worse off than me. So that again, I could hide. Um, and I was like, well, at least I'm not like that person. At least I'm not. And really I was that person. I just didn't realize it. 
Um, because when I stopped using people were like, oh yeah, we don't do that anymore because you are always bringing us to the bar, um, and buying us drinks. Um, so I, you know, she became my token sober friend and I, um, became her token, you know, drunk friend, supposedly. (laughs) I was like, you know, and, uh, and she really, um, she really kind of just had a light in her eyes and there was nothing about her that like, was like, Hey, you need treatment. You need this, you need that. You need recovery, you know, meetings. Um, she just kind of listened to my stories and, uh, lived her life. And I really think for me, um, the attractiveness of what someone in recovery looks like is so much more important than being drugged into any kind of treatment, any kind of, you know, recovery space. You just live your life. And um, traction rather than promotion. Totally. Totally. You just bring, you just bring your life and, and that, and that is so much more attractive um, than being drug into a meeting. (laughs) Um, So, (laughs) but like, uh, you know, along the way at some point in time, I was like a drunk texter, usually late at night, you know, one eyed texting, you know, Uh, I got a text message in the morning and she was like, yeah, let's have lunch. And I was like, Oh no, what did I say? You know? And it was like a four in the morning text that said, I think I need help. And, uh, it was at that point in time. So we had lunch. I was like, Oh no. (laughs) So we go to lunch and, you know, we're sitting over a charcuterie plate and, uh, and uh, she's like, well, I guess this is my time to say like, do you want to go to a meeting? Um, you know, do you need help? And I said, uh, Oh no, no, no. (laughs) Like my problem isn't drugs and alcohol. My problem is everyone around me. Like if people were not being as dramatic as, you know, they are, my life would be better. And uh, she just kind of laughed. And I said, and if I go to one of those meetings, I've probably served people there and they're going to hate me because again, it's like all about me. Um, (laughs) And she's like, there's like 400 meetings a week in Santa Cruz. Like, I'm sure we can find one that you don't know anyone. She's like, or we can go up to San Francisco and go to a meeting. And I was, and I was like, no, no, no. But at that point, I think that that seed was planted for me that, that maybe I do have a problem. Maybe things aren't as going as well as I like, as they look on the outside, right? Like all that debt that I have, that credit card debt to make my life look really good on the outside probably wasn't the best (laughs) because I was dying on the inside. Like I was like, I, my, I had a soul sickness, right? Like I was like, like I would look in the mirror and I would not know who I was seeing. I was like a shell of a person. Mm -hmm. And at the time I had not come out as trans and, um, I had not been out in that way. Um, I was out as gay at the time. And, um, but I, I started to kind of like, think like, oh, maybe, maybe I need to just clean up a little bit. Maybe I just need to like stop using for a little bit. Um, and so come to find out, she decided that she was moving to Montana, to Bozeman, Montana. And I, and I, I had no idea what Montana was really. I was just like a California kid, right? <laughs> I mean, I'd seen it on a map, right? And I was like, hmm you know, I know there's cowboys there. There's lots of space. (laughs) That's really what there is. And so she's like, why don't you come to Montana and help me open this restaurant? And, um, you know, you can live with me and, and we'll, you know, we'll do this. And I was like, and it took me maybe like two weeks. And I was like, sure. It'll be like summer camp. It'll be like, I'll just stop drinking because I can't drink in the house because, you know, they're sober. Um, I'm not going to use drugs because, you know, that, that'd be hard to find in Montana, um, which is not, <laughs> but anyway, um, but I was like, you know, I'll just, uh, you know, I'll just take it as summer camp because that was in July. And um, so July 10th, I had my last drink, which I didn't, 
some weird thing about it. Like I went to the bar, I had this drink. It was, I romanticized my last drink in this weird way, but I was like, yes, you know, a martini glass, which I never drank like that normally. Um, for some reason it was like a James Bond moment, but I like, <laughs> I really was like, so I had a drink and I didn't know it was my last drink, but that was my last drink. And I drove to Montana, this like queer kid who had like two tone hair driving tattooed, driving to Montana going, where the F am I, you know? Um, and I sat for three weeks in her house, like in my pajamas, eating pizza and like basically detoxing, not really knowing I was detoxing. But when you go to people's houses who are in recovery, there's like a ton of recovery books, like laying around, right? There's like a big book. There's like 12 and 12. So there's like, you know, I don't know, codependent no more. There's like all these books, yeah. <laughs> like all of self-help it. books. Like it was like a, my own self-help library. And so I would like take books at night and I would like read them like they were dirty magazines. I would like hide them under my bed mattress <laughs> and I'd like read them and I'd be like, I have nothing in common with these, you know, this, what is this, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous? What is that? You know, I don't know. I don't know what that is. And, um, you know, what is being codependent and all these things and try uh, totally being like, I don't have anything. This is not me. Like, I don't, I'm not going to relate to this at all, even though like, I just didn't have the mindset. Like, I just need to relate just a little bit to this. Right. And I was like, I do not relate to this at all. I would take these like things online, like these quizzes, like almost like Buzzfeed quizzes, right. Where they're like, <laughs> are you an alcoholic? You know, <laughs> like trying to answer the questions and like, you know, that's like, you know, and I would answer like the 44 questions and they would say, you're not an alcoholic. And I'd be like, see, look at that. I'm not an alcoholic. <laughs> and, uh, and then I would take it again and be like, okay, I'm going to be honest this time. And then I was like, Oh, 44 out of 40, you know, 40, questions out of 44 you know were yeses and they were like you know thought my computer was going to explode being like you need to go to treatment you know <laughs> and uh so I was on a hike and I um I was smoking a pack of cigarettes <laughs> which is very hard as to do in does. Montana as one as does. someone does uh -huh. yeah <laughs> so like I was like eight thousand feet just like chain smoking sure. and um and all of a sudden I just broke down I, I was with her and I broke down and I said I don't, I am like so in so much pain right now. Like I am in so much pain. Like, I don't know what's going on. Either I want to drink or I want to use, or I want to kill myself. I don't know what's going on. And I don't know like how fast I was like, maybe I need to go to a meeting, you know? Hmm. And I don't know. I've never seen a car arrive faster in my <laughs> life. You know, it just like rolled up. All of a sudden there was a car there. I'm like, I thought we were like up in the mountains, like in the woods. I don't know how this car got up here, but you know, they're like, get the, get the fuck in, you know, like get in or just go to a meeting. And so went to my first meeting and I remember sitting there and kind of going, you know, uh, I, I, I really, really remember in a visceral way, um, the feeling of shame of being there, like finding myself there, like going, I can't believe I, I, it's gotten to this point. And then also at the same time, the sense of relief of like, I am not alone anymore in this. And just crying. Like, that's all I did was cry. First of all, I thought all these people thought I was like in long term recovery because I went with people who were long term recovery. You know, I like went in with uh -huh. them and I was like, oh yeah, you know, like, hey, I'm back, you know, whatever. They totally, you know, knew. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, this is your first meeting, you know. And when people ask me that today, they go, is this your first meeting? I'm like, do I really look that bad? Like, is that what's happening to me? Like, is that what's happening to me? <laughs> like, so <laughs> I always have to check myself, like, oof man, I gotta go take a shower or something. Um, especially over zoom. Like what? <laughs> oh my God. No. Cause like yeah, right? there's no reason to put pants on lately. No, like, I know. Oh. Pants, you know, seriously. <laughs> yeah. 
So, um, so yeah, I mean, I just remember that and I kind of got into to the recovery world. Thank you for listening and big thanks to Beck for being this week's guest on Radio Rehab. Stick around for the next episode when we talk about meeting his wife and coming out as trans. If you want to be on the show or you know anyone who should be on the show, please contact us. The email is radiorehab at gotoproductions.com. That's go-toproductions.com. You can also call or text 415-496-9511, even when we're not in studio. And on all the socials, it's at Radio Rehab Dana, D-A-Y-N-A. Thank you for listening. Keep coming back.